97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. I can't go a day and I think about Jason Fitz. Now I think about his Christmas. And when I hear this song, all I think about is Jason Fitz. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, Hunter, but Jason Fitz joins us here every Wednesday. And last night on the College Football Ranking Show, he was wearing a Christmas onesie. So I think that it's fair that this has to be his intro song until Christmas is done. He, he will probably want you to have this going even after Christmas is over. That would be my guess. Jason Fitz co-hits his Spain and Fitz here on 97.3 ESPN tonight, 7 to 9, joins us right now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Jason, that was just for you. I mean, A, I appreciate it. B, you're not wrong. But C, Christmas music ends January 2nd, right? Like, we all agree on that. We're not savages around here. I'm indifferent about when it starts and ends. It's just kind of like a feel to me. Like, I don't really have a date. All right. Yeah, that's fair. You know, if, if it happens to be January 2nd, fine. If it happens to be January 8th, I'm not going to sit here and, like, you know, be a Nazi about it. No, I think that's, you know, I'll take any, look, anytime we're getting more Christmas, uh, more in general, I'm happy. So I'm all in for it. Like, I, I've got, especially in 2020, if anybody wants to have Christmas last all year long, like, that's fine. And if you hate Christmas lasting that long, then you should never be allowed to sing the songs that say, I wish it was Christmas every day, because that's all we're trying to do is give that to you. Spirit of Christmas, Jason Fitz. That's who he is here on 97.3 ESPN. Jason, a lot of stuff going on in the sports world, so we want to get to all those things with you. Uh, first of all, obviously the story that nobody can escape, whether you're in our area or on ESPN nationally, is this eagles Jalen Hurts situation. And I heard you and Sarah talking about the other night about the fact that you guys didn't pick the Eagles to win the game. I know I didn't pick the Eagles to win the game, but doggone it, here we are. Jalen Hurts won a game in his first start. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised by it, and I think the most surprising part of it was, frankly, you know, in the NFL world, for anyone that doesn't know, there are advanced scouting coaches whose only job is to scout opponents coming up in a couple of weeks. That's what they do. So that, that as the main coaching staff comes in, they sort of pick up the book from where somebody else already started it. They pick up the work from there. It's like that advanced scouting team had no idea that Jalen Hurts ever played at Oklahoma because what we saw from Philly was a lot of what Jalen Hurts has fully shown in college he's capable of. I was surprised to see the Saints look dumbfounded by all of it. Now, am I going to turn it into some great sweeping statement that Jalen Hurts is the answer in the future? No, but that's consistent for me across all boards. I mean, it, it, this isn't about Jalen Hurts. It's about young quarterbacks. What we do is we become enamored with young quarterbacks that have one or two games. Uh, let's see how it goes now that there's a bit of a book. Remember, Cam Newton after week one was supposed to be the greatest signing in the history of the NFL, and suddenly the Patriots should be looking at a mega deal for a franchise quarterback. Now it's like, ah, Cam may or may not be in the league next year. So when, when no one knows what to expect, you can catch teams off guard. That absolutely happened in this game, taking nothing away from what they were able to accomplish in this game. I'm not going to turn it into a sweeping statement of the greatness of Jalen Hurts yet, though. So uh, it's one step. Heading into that game, the Saints won nine straight. It was their third straight road game. They have the Kansas City Chiefs up next week in their in their own barn. So when you have that in play, and you also add in, you made a huge statement by sitting your quarterback, a huge statement by Jason Kelsey calling out the coaching staff, the front office, and everybody involved. 
Wasn't this almost inevitable? It's almost like that went right over our heads. This was set up for Eagles' success, but we weren't willing to admit it until we saw it. Yeah, and that's probably fair. Look, but I think there's also a little bit of the lower scored here. Like, how many times can you be in that situation where you see things play out and they don't play out the right way? And I think that's where Eagles fans have looked at everything at this point as an abject disaster. And I don't know that that's always unfair. I mean, there is a spot where no matter what happens with Jalen Hurts, I heard some of our are talking heads the next day saying, well, this could actually be a great thing because it helps the trade value of Carson Wentz. And if they don't need him, then, you know, they, they're more apt to trade him. Look, nobody is trading for Carson Wentz. If you trade for that player, you trade for that contract. There is zero reason anybody would ever do that. So, and there's also no reason that the Eagles would trade Carson Wentz, uh, given his dead cap hit. So, like, they're sort of stuck. But this is still, hey, if you're going to be stuck, at least get some wins. So, Maybe they, you know, it, at least in the process of doing that, they get some wins. I just don't know that it really fixes anything long-term for what the Eagles are facing. No, it definitely doesn't fix anything. And I think furthermore, what it does is it brings more questions into the situation because for everybody who criticizes the Eagles for how this roster was built, you also have to give them credit for the things they did get right because they did draft Jalen Hurts, but they also drafted Carson Wentz. They gave him that contract. This is a team that drafted Jordan Maialata late in the rounds. Great. But you also didn't draft other players that you could have had, so it feels like the entire situation is a complete catch-22. Yeah, it really is, and I think that's a really great analysis by you. And, and I always remind people, you know, when you look at quarterbacks drafted in the second round, everybody knows I'm a Raiders fan, right? Derek Carr was drafted in the second round. If the Raiders believed that Derek Carr was going to be the next Aaron Rodgers, they would have drafted him in the first round. Like So anytime a quarterback makes it to the second round, it is a little bit of a roll of the dice by anybody. Everybody can acknowledge that. But that being said, they rolled the dice, they rolled the dice well, if it works out. But they also created this entire situation. So I don't know, like, if you've solved the very drama that you created with a bad contract and then a draft pick to protect yourself like that, that's weird, right? Like, there's no way to make all of this balance out. Like, if I'm the Eagles front office and the organization as a whole, what I'm going to have to figure out now is, was this all just an aberration and weirdness, or is this a sign of a real issue? You know, because if they think that 2020 is just a bad, weird year, then fine. You go out and you let everybody run it back. I just find it hard to believe that's going to happen. I think the Eagles are going to look much different next year on the sidelines and in the front office than they do this year. When you look at Miles Sanders, do you think Doug Peterson will finally realize the more you run this kid, the more chances you have for that home run hit? It doesn't matter if he has seven carries for 14 yards. He has the ability, no matter what he did previously, to get that home run hit. So what more will it take? The kid clearly has the talent. It's just frustrating to see him so... He's just not utilized enough. Yeah, and that's the most frustrating thing about Doug Peterson is that I believe that there have been some opportunities to better use the weapons he has and to be more creative. One of the things that the Chiefs do, if you go back and watch the All-22 tape on the Chiefs, they find such interesting ways to get their best players open. They find such interesting ways to make sure that their best players touch the ball. And one of the things that Andy Reid has really sold to that entire franchise is, hey, when when you're the hot hand, you're going to get it. When you're not, you're not. And it works. Like Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a great example of somebody for the Chiefs that he can be absolutely hot, and then they'll make sure he gets the ball. If things taper off, then he's less a part of the game plan. What I don't understand from the Eagles is when you've got somebody that has had these big dynamic plays and you need big dynamic plays, why would you not be utilizing the guys that can actually accomplish that? That's why there's at least a conversation about 
how stubborn, uh, to say it politely, is Doug Peterson in this? I might even say pigheaded. Like, at some point, you know, why are you making things difficult that are easy when your team is having a difficult year? And that's what it feels like Doug Peterson's doing in that example. Jason Fitz joining us here on the Boardwalk on the Hotline on 97.3 ESPN, co-host of Spain and Fitz tonight from 7 to 9 here on 97.3 ESPN Radio. Jason, with all that being said, the other big topic around here is the NBA is coming back, and the Sixers finally got on the court last night. And it's still stubborn-headed, as you mentioned with Doug Peterson, that there's a contingent of Sixer fans who are still completely irrational, and they still hate this team. They still hate Ben Simmons, and they still mad at Tobias Harris, and it's like, wow, people really just can't let things go and just enjoy the basketballs back. Well, and hey, you're absolutely right about that. Like, I will tell everybody to take a big, deep breath and remember where we were in June and July. Not curious if we were going to get anything, right? And now we have this. So, number one, let's appreciate a little of it. But the other side of it is, this is a relevant basketball team. Are they the best team in the East? No, but they're a relevant basketball team. And I realize that that's, that sort of feels like a backhanded compliment, but it isn't. Like, in the NBA, there are three tiers. There's great, there's relevant, and there's irrelevant. Like, you don't want to be in that last one. Like, and that's where the, the 76ers are part of the constant national conversation. I know that doesn't feel like it's enough. But the other part about it is that everybody has to remember the way NBA contracts are structured. Nothing's easy. So once you buy in on somebody, it's hard to sell out on them. Like, that's just the way the league is built. So now you've got to hope that you can put something together and you can have a magical special run. None of us thought a year ago that the Heat would go on a run to the NBA Finals. If you're the 76ers, you got to believe that there's a way to bring everybody together and to finally maximize the talent they have. If we were playing the video game version, we're playing NBA 2K, the 76ers are pretty damn good. On the court, it hasn't come out that way. But you still got to look at this team and say, hey, if they can hit on all cylinders, can they match up with Milwaukee? Yes, we all know that. Can they match up with Miami? Yeah. Can they match up with Brooklyn? I'm not sure anybody can. But the other side of it is, we have no idea what Kevin Durant's going to actually look like. So maybe take just a deep breath and appreciate the process, no, no pun intended, of what the NBA season is and where this team could be. Because they're not bad. They're not going to end up out of the conversation. The question is, can they be maximized into be, being good? Since we transition to the NBA, what are your thoughts on James Harden's new look, his new body frame? The picture, it's going around the Twitter sphere. It looks a little thick. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, a little thick is putting it politely, right? Like, you know, that it's just such a weird thing. Trying to wrap my head around what it's like to be James Harden is interesting to me because you're talking about somebody that, you know, he has managed every single time he wants somebody to play with him, he finds a way to make it happen, right? And then every single time that he wants something, he gets it, including huge contracts. Now he wants out. Now he looks, as you said, thick. We have no idea what the Rockets are going to do. But if I own the Rockets, I'd turn around and be like, cool, I get that you want to be somewhere else. I don't really care. I don't want to be, like I said earlier, the thing the Rockets don't want to be above and beyond all other things is irrelevant. And so you don't want to take a chance because the player's just dissatisfied with what your franchise is doing is not a reason that you turn around and suddenly gut everything just to make him happy, especially if it's James Harden. So, you know, I absolutely, I'm a little surprised by the look. I'm a lot surprised by uh, the way that the Rockets have treated this thing. And if I'm the Rockets, I'm not giving him any leverage until I get exactly what I want. And if I don't, he's just going to have to learn how to be happy making a boatload of money playing in Houston. And Jason, that's what surprised me because there's, there's a huge contingent of people in our area who are like, trade Ben Simmons for Harden. I don't care that he's 31. And to me, it's not about his age. To me, it's about the fact that 
I mean, this guy obviously is a malcontent. He obviously is unhappy where he's at. How do I know that if he got traded to the Sixers, he wouldn't do the same thing a year or two from now? It just feels like people are just so unhappy with Ben Simmons. They're overlooking the fact that Harden's got his own baggage as well. Yeah, and by the way, you think, oh, man, trade, 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 get him, and then you get him, and you're like, wait, this is why everybody constantly says he can't win a championship. I think that may be a little, little conflated. I'm not sure it's that easy. Uh, but at the, at the same time, I mean, I, I, I get frustrated by the constant conversation about James Harden can't win it all in Houston, but we should go out there and acquire him for our favorite team because here he can. Why? Like, he's had everything he's ever wanted around him and hasn't been able to win it all. And I'm sorry. James Harden with Philadelphia will not make them better than Brooklyn. So trust what you're doing and keep what, you, what you've got going because at least there you've got pieces you can develop that are young that you can have some sort of excitement over and say, hey, I know that if we get the right opportunity, maybe we can go on a run. I mean, we've seen Harden, and we've seen Harden surrounded by epic players, and it's still not good enough. So you can have Harden all day, and all you're going to be is a second-tier basketball team they get your heart broken in the finals uh, or in the, in the conference finals. Like that, that's your best case scenario. And that's only going to make Philly angry after about one year of that too. How do you view Giannis staying in Milwaukee? Small market. He really wants to win a championship for them. Do you think it was the right decision for him to stay instead of testing free agency down the road? Well, I think that comes down to such personality conversations, right? Like uh, I mentioned earlier, and I've said this repeatedly, the Supermax, all it did for Milwaukee, I hate to keep using this analogy with you today, but uh, it's on my mind. Like Milwaukee would become absolutely irrelevant if they didn't have Giannis. So they needed him. They had to find a way to get it done. The fact that they did the five-year deal, what it really does is it lets them go shopping. As long as they're comfortable being in the luxury tax, and I know they've got some difficult contracts to work around, what I keep looking at from Milwaukee is if you were a free agent, a few months ago, you're thinking, okay, let's see what Giannis is doing. Well, now you know where Giannis is going to be. You know what Giannis's plan is. I, in, in my mind, I think it absolutely makes them a better destination when it comes to how they're going to be able to acquire other free agents to come play because they know he's going to be there. He's Jason Fitz, co-host of Spain and Fitz tonight, 7-9, here on 97.3 ESPN. Always great talking to him. We catch him every Wednesday. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Fitz. And as all guests, he appeared on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Uh, Jason, hopefully for the final reaction show, uh, you can one-up your onesie, okay? I'm not sure anything will one-up the onesie, but I will try. I will do my best. Maybe you just get rid of the hat. That'll help. Yeah, but... <laughs> Maybe I'll find a whole top hat this time. I don't know. You know, maybe uh, maybe that's where I go. There you go. There you have something to look forward to, folks. Our rankings reaction show with Jason Fitz, Mike Golick Jr., and Christine Williams on the uh, digital side. Jason, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill along with Hunter Brody here on 97.3 ESPN, a conversation with Jason Fitz being brought to you by One Stop Car Audio. It's the 12 days of remote start right now through Christmas Eve at One Stop Car Audio across from TD Bank on Route 9 in beautiful Northfield. 609-403-0973 is the text board to get on the conversation with your text coming up on the other side as well as anytime hotline calls. People called. They reacted to the Sixers game last night. We'll get to those in this hour as well. Here on 97.3 ESPN FM and the 97.3 ESPN mobile app powered by First Bank of Seattle City. Coming up on the next edition of Greeny with Mike Greenberg on 97.3.
Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill, along with Hunter Brody here on 97.3 ESPN. We get your text in just a bit, 609-403-0973. Also, anytime hotline calls. Kind of feels weird tonight, though. I mean, Sixers were last night, Thursday night football tonight. But you know what it is today? College basketball going on today. We do have some college hoops, and you can get in on all of the college hoops action, along with NFL action this weekend, college football, the NBA is coming back, of course. So you can get in on all of the all of the action, odds boost, all the promotions on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, which you can download now and use promo code nine seven three. For all of these promotion boosts, must be 21 or older, New Jersey only, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, it's it's interesting because, and I'll have to grab it for later, when Fitz said so overtly, you don't want Harden. Like, I felt like it was like the voice of God, like confirming to me everything I've been saying for a while now. Now, that's a little bit ridiculous to me, you know, being like, you know, I found somebody who agrees with me. But listen, I, I never fully understood the obsession that people have about this whole situation. Well, I, I do understand it because here's why. This, this is the way I see it. When you talk about trading Ben Simmons, and in the years past, before James Harden's name popped up, it was this person, that person, people who didn't make sense. You're not going to trade Ben Simmons for, and it's someone who's just a, a good player in the league, not a great player in the league. James Harden falls in the category of someone that you would trade Ben Simmons for. It's not unbelievable to think that you could trade a Ben Simmons for a James Harden. That's the type of return you're looking for. So, with that being said, I understand why people feel the way that they do about this trade. Would I do it? No, I personally wouldn't. But he is in the category of players that is at least understandable when throwing out hypotheticals. So that's why I do understand why people feel so heavy on this topic and so passionate about it because this is one of the ones... Look, James Harden, you can argue, is a top-five player in the league. Will Ben Simmons ever be a top-five player in the league? I would love to say the answer is yes, but if you have a proven top-five player in the league, I think the conversation is more valid. Yeah, and I, I just feel like the... I feel like sometimes there's this attitude of the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence when it's not. And it's this mentality, and I think it's amped up more in today's world because of social media. You know, everyone's got a filter on their posts. And, you know, I, I was joking the other day with somebody in our building about how I was like, ah, I'm put a filter on that picture I see, you know, kind of thing, joking with them. But, you know, that is true. Like, we only see what people let us see when it comes to their game, their style of play, who they are. We don't know all the dirt and dirty details. And I don't think it's a coincidence that. Daryl Morey was in Houston, and everything was fine for the most part with Harden, right? But all of a sudden, Morey's not there anymore. Now Harden's crazy, right? Did Mill Morey maybe cover up and shield some of the stuff that was going on and try to make the best of a uh, difficult situation, and now you get to see the real James Harden coming out? I think it's fair to have that option on the table. But I also we also don't know what's going on internally in Houston. Just to play the other side, you talk about we don't well, know, we Harden don't have those information. They asked him if he had talked to the new GM yet about you know different things because we haven't had a conversation. Now, does that mean that's on James Harden or does that mean oh, that's, that's totally on Harden? Why? Because the guy's if, been employed for almost two months. But isn't it on him to reach out to him? He's saying he never reached out to him? No, no, no. Oh, He's they saying just haven't... they haven't talked. Okay. And the Rockets, according to reports, 
they were trying to reach out to Harden, and he was the one not communicating them to the point where their new coach, Steven Silas, said, I can't worry about if Harden's here. He'll be here eventually. We we trust him that he'll show up eventually, right? Like, you're not talking to the new coach. You're not talking to the new GM. You come in as you called it thick. And it's like, but that's the guy Sixer fans want to replace Ben Simmons. I just feel that this is how the NBA is. Like, these players, they get what they want. Anthony Davis wanted out of New Orleans. Where did he go? Los Angeles. If you go to a place that you're happy with, well, you won't get this version of James Harden. You would get a James Harden that is excited to play basketball in a different mentality. So I'm not saying there's not red flags. Obviously, there are red flags in how this is being handled. But I also know that this is how the league operates. I'm not saying I want it to be this way, but when you're a superstar in this league, you can demand getting out of town, and that doesn't necessarily relate to what town they go to next means it's going to be a dumpster fire. It's just how the, the they're playing their cards in their current situation at the moment. But well, I'm, I'm, I'm just not saying, thrilled with this, to be I'm, to I'm be just honest. saying that it's it's there's no guarantee that he comes, as Fitz was saying, to Philadelphia and he makes his team better. I agree with that. Because there's something to be said for, like, you know, you've heard me mention it. You heard Jason Blevins mention it yesterday. You can make a trade on 2K. Something might look good on paper. Doesn't mean it works well in reality. And I, I just feel like every time I hear and see somebody say, Ben Simmons sucks, trade him for James Harden. I feel like that you might get some buyer's remorse if you make a move like that without a little bit more, you know, let things play out a little bit. You know, sometimes we're in such a rush to, you gotta make a trade, you gotta make a move. Well, you know what? The Sixers didn't move Al Horford at the trade deadline like people wanted to, right? And I think they came out better because they waited till Daryl Morey got here to make the moves that they did, right? There's something to be said for the fact that just because you know something has to be done doesn't mean you have to do it today. Yeah, I'm one of the more patient Sixers fans out there, I would say. But the way I look at it is this Sixers team with Ben Simmons is going to be a really good Sixers team. This Sixers team without Ben Simmons and James Harden, it would be a really good Sixers team. So I don't think that it's necessarily, oh, you go out and make this trade and you're just going to become some nightmare scenario. I think you're, you got positives and negatives with both of them. And once again, if you look at James Harden as a top five guy, you can make the argument Ben will never be a top five guy if you feel that way. And I'm high on Ben. Top five, though, I don't know if he's going to reach that. That's hard to do. James yeah. Harden's in that conversation so that's why I think it's reasonable compared to, let's say, a lot of the talks were, let's get rid of Ben, let's bring in Chris Paul. Well, I don't want Chris Paul at age 92 with $40 million tied to his name. So that's why I wouldn't go down that road. But this road, I think, is the most reasonable one that has ever been brought up has been James Harden. Yeah, and I think the big thing with Harden is, to me, the most valuable part of Harden is not the most stuff most people point to, right? The most valuable part of Harden would be he's a durable player. He plays a lot of minutes. He's a guy who has shown the ability to be uh, willing to pass the ball to a, another superstar. Yeah, right? he averaged like over seven assists. So it's not like he's 100% give me the ball. And part of that offense was built to force the ball to him because at times when there were injuries to Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and other guys, they had to chuck the ball a lot. But the, the the same side of that is what makes Harden who he is, it's also what frustrates you. And to me, I don't want Harden on this team. I have zero interest in him. See, I, but, see I, but, that's but, where but, I, I lose But hear me out bit. for one sec. But if the Sixers did trade for him, 
I'm not going to be like, I'm out on the Sixers. I'm still going to see what happens. But it's just, if you're going to trade Ben Simmons at some point, whether it's this year, next year, or the year after, I personally would rather be someone who's not Harden because I think that Harden coming to this team, while he may be a top 5, 10 player in the league, I don't think, as I agree with Fitz, I don't know if he makes you that much better because you still have Giannis in Milwaukee. The Miami Heat went to the NBA Finals last year. If the Nets can figure out, they're going to be super scary because people forget, after Kyrie and Durant, you still have Karis LeVert. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are still in Boston. It's not like getting Harden in here is like when the Raptors got Kawhi. I think right now, short window, two, three years, James Harden makes you better now. James Harden puts you in that window of being able to legitimately win the East. I feel that way. If you're talking about a short window, yes, James Harden makes you better. Long term, though, I think you have Ben Simmons who can possibly give you more than a two, three-year window once he enters his prime in his late 20s, 27, 28 years old. So I would play the long window game. But, you know, the one thing that I was going to stop you with is when you said I have 0% interest. There's not a little bit of you intrigued on what him and Joel and B could do together as a two-man game because... Not for me. That What? How not, though? Because I don't want to do the trade, to be clear. But the other yeah. side, I see the other side. I wouldn't do it, but I at least see it. Look, I understand where people are coming from, okay? But I just don't feel it because of the fact that, to me, I don't think Harden is what people think he is. I think that in some ways, for as incredible his stats have been, right? When you watch him on a night-in and night-out basis... He does phenomenal things, but part of that is because he's forced to do it. You know what I mean? If you take the ball out of his hands a little more. But you wouldn't do that here. Why would you do that? Well, because I want a basketball team. I don't want a one-man show. And the problem in Houston is they were never, they're never going to win anything there because they needed Harden to do everything. Yeah, but you don't need him to do you wouldn't because you would have him beat. Him and Embiid, the duo of them two together, would be lethal. Like, yeah, you would take the ball out of his hands more to give it to Joel Embiid, but that only allows James Harden to operate in a different way because of what Joel Embiid provides from a spacing standpoint and from a, dude, you got to make sure Joel Embiid doesn't get his. Well, the alternative is James Harden getting his. It's a different dynamic than Ben and Joel. He's Hunter Birdie. I'm Josh Hinnick here on the Sports Bash on 97.3. Filling in for Mike Gill. Sports Bash been brought to you by Recovery Centers of America Drug and Alcohol Welcome back into the Sports Fast. Josh Hennick filling in for Mike Gill here on 97.3 ESPN. Anytime hotline calls, text at 609-403-097. We've got to like mix them up. Text, call, text, call. Get to as many as we can here. Of course, Football at 4 coming up with Jeff Mosher, top of the hour. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Also, Dave Weinberg on a Weinberg Wednesday coming up at 5 o'clock. But first... I'm going to play this specific anytime hotline call first. It stood out to you? Well, because Brian Ocean City saying that, you know, it's, it's a false narrative the media's making up about James Harden and the Sixers. Even though there's only been reports from some of the most reputable people in the business for about three months now, right? But hey, it's all made up, right? This poop from Jersey. 
I just don't see what the hell y'all are saying, man. I'm watching Ben play. He looks the same exact way he did his rookie season. I see no improvement. And I just, I, I don't understand. James Harden would make the team so much better. Just do it. Just do it. I get it. He's 31. But Ben is what he is. He's not going to change. Like, nobody goes from not shooting the ball at all to shoot. Like, no, he is what he is. And I just don't see the Sixers winning anything with him playing like that. He's very limited because of his lack of perimeter game. And James Harden, surrounded with Embiid and, and, and Danny Green and Tobias, he will flourish. So first of all, I hate when people bring up the nobody learns how to shoot narrative. Because there's a ton of evidence from Magic Johnson, the Jason Kidd, the Kawhi Leonard, dudes who couldn't shoot from the outside who all of a sudden develop a perimeter game. So... Don't tell me it can't be done. I hate that lazy narrative, but I will give the caller on the Anytime Hotline this point. I want to know what you think of this, Hunter. He says Ben Simmons is what he is. What if Ben Simmons is what he is? What if he always is what he is now but just becomes a better version of that? I think at that point, the ceiling is so high that you need to take that chance. That's where I'm at. You need to go down with the ship. If it fails, it fails. But if this is who he is, let's be realistic, and let's see if you agree with me. It's not good enough? If this is who Ben Simmons is, is this good enough? Would you be satisfied of 10 years of this Ben Simmons? Or at some point, do you got to pull the plug on him being here? What would you say about that? Because I would say it's, don't get me wrong, with this version of Ben Simmons, he is a good NBA player. But you're going to need more. So I would say this this version of Ben Simmons would not satisfy me. It wouldn't satisfy me either. And I would use the term that Mike Gill uses, which is the term, if so-and-so was the best player on your team, could you win a championship? And I don't think you can with Ben Simmons because I think Ben Simmons is showing you that as of right now, and this can change, this can evolve. We've seen other players evolve as well. But as of right now, Ben Simmons is, as you said, He's a good player. He's an all-star. But he's not a great player. And outside of the 2000, or the 2004-2005 Pistons, nobody wins a championship without elite players. Okay? And I said players plural. If Ben Simmons doesn't elevate his game, it doesn't matter what, ben, what Joel Embiid does. They're not winning an NBA championship. And I hate saying that because... I think Ben has potential, like the texter says at 609-403-0973. If Ben Simmons develops a jumper, he's going to be top five ever. This upside is sky high. I agree with that. He would be unstoppable. I've said it. You've said it. Mike Gill has said it. Blevins has said it. Kevin McCormick has said it. Paul Hudrick has said it. Every person on TV on ESPN has said it. But the problem isn't the upside. The problem is what is he doing right now? And that's why everyone is frustrated. I do think it's unfair to look at yesterday's performance in a little bit more than a half of a basketball game and say, this is Ben Simmons. You heard Daryl Morey. And look, if you want to go off the track record, I understand why saying this is who he is. Like, I get it. He hasn't really taken the jump that we wanted him to take yet to the level that we wanted him to. But Daryl Morey stepped into this city and said something from the jump that really stood out to me. When you look at this roster, you look at this organization, you don't have that NBA title team day one. 
you got to look at what you have, assess what you have. You got to grow as a team. There's a lot involved. So what bothers me about that call, while long-term, he might be right. I think he said his name was Coop. He might be right, Coop. But I can't look at yesterday's performance and then tie that to this is who Ben Simmons is going to be for the remainder of the year. So much can happen. What if Shake Milton steps up and adds another layer to this team? What if Tyrese Maxey becomes... I look at Tyrese Maxey. You look at a couple draft picks we've had late. Landry, Shamit, Matisse, Thibel. Nice players. I think Tyrese Maxey can actually grow into something more than just a nice player in that role. What if this all happens and that changes what Ben Simmons is? Like, there's just so much that... You look at last night's performance, and here's my problem with the call. I can't tie that to this is Ben Simmons after a half of a preseason game. Another text on the text board. Do you think Harden will be traded this year or will the Rockets hold on to him? That's a great question because there's no guarantee they have the trade because they have him for three more years. So they're not, this is not Anthony Davis where it's like, oh man, this guy's going to be a free agent. We got to move him. No, the Rockets could say, James, you agreed to this contract. You asked us to move Chris Paul and then Russell Westbrook. We don't have to trade you. So you can show up, you know, thick. And You like that one, huh? I, I did, did like that yeah, one. Jason and liked it too. I was a little surprised. I didn't know it was uh, that much of, a, of was, a, a word to describe. I thought it was the perfect word. You, well, listen. Jason, I didn't expect the reaction, I'd say. Well, you know, Jason gave you a compliment that he gave me a compliment for my analysis of the Eagle situation. So we did good today. Okay, we're going full circle. Yeah, we're, it's a positive day on a hump day Wednesday because it is Wednesday. It is You're Wednesday. You're on 97.3. I, I, I was going to hear you, listen to you, <laughs> and see what you did with some of the other guests because yesterday... You welcome John Clayton into a Thursday edition of the Sports Bash well, on a Tuesday. Well, we got two hours left, That's so we'll true. find out. Uh, but I like the, the texter's question because I don't think they have to trade him. Now, maybe somewhere along the year, they get an offer they can't refuse. You know, the godfather offer. You know, I'm going to give you an offer you can't refuse. But I think for right now, the Rockets are inclined to hold on to him because I think for the Rockets, they're kind of like, we hired this coach because you were okay with it. We made the trade because you asked for it. Can you at least just come in and give it a shot? We see a lot of this happening in the NBA. As I mentioned before, this is how it works. Guys get unhappy and they push themselves out of town. There is a vibe that the Rockets don't care. That they don't care what's James, what James Harden thinks. They don't care what James Harden is going to do. There is this vibe going on that they might hold on to him and allow him to ruin his own reputation. Because what do they have to lose? Well, what they can lose is good play. What they can lose is maybe the fan base gets rubbed off the wrong way. Like, really? We're going to sit through a season where our star doesn't feel like showing up and he's coming in thick and he's unwilling to really play and battle for us. So maybe down the road... James Harden will call their bluff, but maybe I'm reading this wrong. Are you on the same page as me where the organization's almost going, dude, I don't care how you feel, you're stuck. So you better embrace it with a different mentality or you're going to be miserable. Well, again, I think part of it is because he's sending mixed messages. One minute it's, I want another superstar, the guy on Chris Paul. Then it's, we got to move on Chris Paul. Give me my buddy, Russ Westbrook. Bring in Westbrook. Then it's, well, maybe... D'Antoni isn't working out. We'll move on for D'Antoni. I give my seal of approval for Steven Silas. They hire him. Well, you know, rumors are that they wanted him to play with John Wall. They get John Wall. Now, all of a sudden, it's, I don't want to be here. Like, what happened? Where did you change? I think for the organization, they do have to call his bluff. I think for the organization, they need to find out 
how serious is this guy not being here? Like, is he just saying it because he's frustrated? Or is he saying it because he legitimately doesn't want to be here? Because sometimes we've all been in situations, and this just happens to be playing out on media and television and social media. Sometimes we all have emotional reactions to things. Our boss says the wrong thing to us. Something bad is going on at home. We have a personal tragedy. We're having a bad day. Maybe there's something going on in our personal life or professional life people don't know about. And we react to things a certain way. Maybe Harden is just having a, a rough thing going on in his life right now. It's very possible. Yeah, no doubt about it, it's very possible. He what, is a human being. Sure. What does this say about Daryl Morey? Is it possible that the the glue of that organization was Daryl Morey? And Maybe. if anything, it just shows what we really got here. You know, right. we got something special, if that is the case. Now, we don't know, but it's not Hey, what if, what if Morey was rowing uphill without a paddle on the River Rapids? And he was making this team work against all odds. What happens if he's actually given an organization that isn't against all odds? Which is crazy to think that we're talking about the 76ers organization. Hey now. If you just date back a couple months ago where we had too much input from Cohen, from Josh Harris, from David Blitzer, O'Neal. Rucker. Yeah, Rucker, you name it, any of these guys. It's funny that you just said that statement, and it made sense. But that's how quickly things can change if you hire the right people and your ownership group kind of takes a step back and realizes we got to head in another direction. 609-403-097 from theplaysugarhouse.com. Text board, we'll get another anytime hotline call, and we'll get back to your texts. Here we go. And B looked back. He looked good. He looked like, like he's been working on his body. He looks more athletic. I like uh, Danny Green defensively. Shake Milton looked great. I expected that from him. He's going to dive off the bench. And I just think uh, Tobias, while he's good scoring, he thinks too much. Like, just stop thinking. Like, shoot, pass, or drive. Like, you don't have to do so much. And I think that that really, like, got him in trouble in the beginning. Uh, Maxie looked, looked okay. He looked good. I like his floater game. But Furcon Quirkmas, oh, my God, bro. Doc has to take away his minutes, man. We got people calling for Doc to take away minutes already in a preseason game, and it's just funny to me. You know how I, how I feel about Furkan. He's going to be a guy who can play in regular season action. He'll have his nights. People will overreact, and he's going to struggle big time in, in postseason play when things intensify, and he's going to get exposed. It's just what happens every single year. But I think it's funny that preseason game one, we already got people calling for minutes to change. That's a little overboard, no? Also, I was like, it was like you didn't really know what the right adjective you want to use a couple times. He was like, he was okay. Nah, he was good. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey was more than just okay. Yeah, and it was like, oh, I expected that from Shake Milton. I guess it was just you and Doc Rivers, because I didn't expect that from Shake Milton. Did you? No, me neither. I, I've, uh, I kind of got ripped a little bit last night, Josh, because I've been saying... I think Shake Milton has an awesome skill set. He's got the intangibles. I can see him growing into something awesome. But I also feel he's very raw. So when you see that, okay, the kid's raw last year, why would I anticipate him to just be this walking Lou Will bucket? You know, like, I, I, what am I basing this off of other than he's got a skill set, but he's got to show it to me. So people were firing back at me. You said you took a night off on Twitter. Or I was on Twitter go back and forth with people, I think it's fair to kind of tamper expectations still. I'm intrigued and encouraged by the kid, but I need more time to see it. But I'm with you. I didn't expect that. Who? Why would you other than just hope? 
Hope would be the only reason why you would think it would be to that degree yesterday. Text from John from Collingswood here at 609-403-0973. says, hey, Josh and Hunter. Hello, John. He says, I've been hearing a lot about the James Harden thing, but what I have not heard about is what kind of defense would he bring to the Sixers if we traded for him? Do you guys think that the added offense from Harden would make up for the elite defense that Ben Simmons plays? I do think so. Now, I know that he has had struggles defensively. It's gotten better. It's not like he's some stiff cone back there like he once was. It has gotten better. But when you talk about the way that he can score, and you know I'm a defense guy and I will praise Ben Simmons' elite defense one through five just as much as anybody else who enjoys it. But what James Harden brings to the table offensively, yes, he's that good offensively that it counters Ben Simmons' defense. It does. I mean, he's that good at scoring. I think the problem with the Harden stuff for me is that, and listen, I told you yesterday, you know, people labeled me a Hayden, a Harden hater for a long time, because for a long time I was saying he he was a he was a forgazy, he wasn't a top ten player, but he has improved his defense, and I've seen him do that, especially in the postseason. He's gotten very aggressive on defense, to like almost borderline, do a little bit too much fouling at times, but like I'd rather you be a little too much than not enough. So I feel like that. The drop-off from Simmons to Harden defensively, it doesn't mean you can't win basketball games. It just means you have to change your style of basketball. That's all. What makes Ben great, he can guard positions one through five, right? So if you don't have that guy anymore, you need somebody else to step up. Maybe if you got Harden, you're not just getting him from the Rockets. Maybe you say, give me P.J. Tucker and Harden. Right. You know what I mean? Here's another element to it. James Harden's center was Robert Covington. So defensively, you know, when you're getting beat defensively, who's your big man protecting something? Robert Covington? Pretty much. Now you have Joel Embiid. And that changes the way that things are played from a team defense standpoint where you might not need James Harden to play. He still needs to play defense, but you get my point. If he does get beat, help defense is different now. When you have a rim protector like Joel Embiid and even Dwight Howard, you have guys who are not Robert Covington at the five. Right. Get on texting you before we hit the break, 609-403-097. We'll play more anytime hotline calls coming up in the next hour. Dan from EHC says, is just me or does Shake Milton's shot look like it's quicker on the release? I th- I think that's a great point by Danny HC. His shot, you know he said that wind-up where he like set his feet and bring the ball up and shoot it. It looks like he's just like set and shoot now. There's a lot, a lot less, you know, like uh, loading going on with the shot. I think Paul said it best when we had Paul Hudrick on earlier in the show in the 2 o'clock hour confident. He looks confident. Doc Rivers has been saying, Shake, you're the best player on the planet. I guarantee Doc Rivers has been doing nothing but praising him right to his face to build that confidence, and you're seeing it out there on the floor. Him willing to take that fade away. You know what that kind of reminded me of? Not to the same degree, but remember when J.J. Redick would take a fadeaway shot rolling to the right off of a screen and it's so unorthodox, but somehow, someway, by the end, he's squaring his shoulders up to the basket. You're thinking, how did this guy do this? Well, Shake Milton, when he did that one fadeaway to the right, it, it sort of had that style to it. I was a little stunned. Yeah, and I think the other thing with Shake is you need him to be an offensive player. Like, if you're asking him to come off the bench in that role, I need you to go out there and take some shots. Oh, he's going to have to score. Definitely. And I I think that's where maybe that does suit him a little bit more than starting because you're asking him a little bit less. Whereas Danny Green, 
Danny Green can take the added responsibility of being a starter, right? Seth Curry is a pretty you know, solid basketball player as well. As Paul meant, Paul Hudrick mentioned earlier, he's on a raid defensively. So maybe there's going to be some effect of shaking off the bench. You're asking him to do a little bit less, a little bit less responsibility, which frees him up for more. He's on a birdie. I'm Josh Hennig. This is the Sports Bash here on 97.3.